Hello, my name is Shireen Jordan and welcome to Tea and Tonic. This podcast is about giving my guests from all different creative industries the chance to tell us about how they got to where they are today. While we both sip a tea, or perhaps something a bit stronger with a tonic. It's a chance for those affected by the impact of lockdown, the opportunity to chat. Because talking is, as the saying goes, just the tonic. I hope you enjoy it with a beverage in hand. It's Friday, August the 21st, 2020. And my guest today is dancer, director and Olivier Award winning choreographer Bill Deemer. Bill started dancing at the age of eight at the Jason Theatre School in North London. He studied at the Guildford School of Acting, landing his first job in cabaret in the West End in 1986, choreographed by dance royalty, Dame Gillian Lynn. Bill landed his first Olivier Award nomination in 2006 for Cameron McIntosh's The Boyfriend, taking home the award in 2013 for Top Hat. He went on to work on shows including Evita, The Sound of Music, Cats and Follies, whilst becoming part of the Strictly Come Dancing family 14 years ago. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Bill Deemer. Hello! Hello! How are you, Lovely sir? Lovely to be here. I'm very good. I'm very good indeed, yes. In these crazy times, yes, I'm good. Thank you. Well, without further ado, Bill, what drink have you got? Because it's a Friday afternoon. I actually, it was a bit too early for a G&T, so I've actually got a peppermint tea. Oh, lovely. Which is very good. I've got a licorice tea. Yes. Oh, lovely. Absolutely. Delicious. So cheers. I'm very good for hey, Cheers. 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 Bill, I know that lockdown has certainly not stopped you from being um, super busy. Before we talk about what's happening at the moment, can we go back a little while? How do you get to be where you are today? You started dancing aged eight, didn't you? And went to a dance school in North London. Can you tell me about that, please? Well, yes. I mean, all my family are sort of musically minded and what have you. And my two of my sisters went to dance school in, in North London. And I went along one day to collect them with my mother and I watched them dancing. And I just said to mum, do you know, I'd like to have a go at that. And that was the start. And I went and uh, I was actually the only boy in a class of 16 girls. And that was tough. Um, but it made, I had to work even harder, actually. Mm-hmm you know, to keep up and, you know, boys and girls and all of that. Nonsense. Yeah. Um, and it took off and I just loved it, you know, from the word go. Um, and had your parents encouraged you? Did you come from a theatre dance background? No, my, my father, um, who was uh, consider- considerably older than my mother, he lived in Hollywood, uh, a great pianist, and he, he met a lot of the Hollywood greats and what have you, and indeed worked with some of them. And he came home and met my mother, and we had a fam- they had a family. Um, but I was never, ever pushed. I was supported, but I was never, ever pushed. Um, that's really important to note. I did it because I wanted to do it, you know. Yeah. Um- and even when I progressed... My parents would always say to me when I went off to college, you can always come home. It's fine. Do it and do your best. So you no. definitely didn't have the pushy parents that I think lots of people associate success with. No, no way. Never. Never, ever. Just support. And were you the baby of the family? 
No, actually, I've got an older brother and an older sister. Then there's me, and then there's two younger. Okay, so there's five of them. Yes. Goodness me! So the dancing just took off, and and it was something that you loved instantly. Did you have a particular a favourite dance form then, as a child? Yes. You know, everyone was saying, "Oh, you should try tap tap dancing," and. I just could do it. I, you know, it's really tricky. It, they say it takes two years to even begin the basics of tap. You know, well, I, you know, I did a, I did a grade one tap exam, which is the very basic, you know, in ISTDA in the in, in the dance syllabus, and then I went and did a gold bar, which is advanced. You know, I, I just shot through it all. You know, I, it was just wonderful. I had an amazing teacher who's still with us, called Joyce Spriggs. And she taught me to tap, there's no question. She's taught me how to use rhythm. And I'm very, very lucky. And I think you'll find as we carry on, that's what I'm going to say. I have been lucky that I've worked and met with great people who have helped me on my way. Bill, that's quite incredible to go from grade one very quickly to advanced. You know, I did tap when I was a child and went through the grading process, you know, as you do, three, four, five, pre-elementary. I'm not even sure I got to intermediate. It was really hard at that level, you know, and at this point I was 15 years old. So you're still a kid (laughs) and you're reaching. I just, I just got it. I I don't know. I just loved it. And, uh, you know, it's always been, tap's always been my thing. Everything I do is rhythm based. Although, obviously, you have to have the ballet training and the Mm -hmm. jazz training. And obviously, I do a lot of that work as well. Um, You know, I don't like to be pigeonholed because, you know, because of things that I've already done and already Mm -hmm. achieved. But, um, no, I'm an open book. That's it. I do what I need to do. And were you welcomed by all the girls in your dance classes then, being the only boy? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, loved it. And um, I'm still friends with some of them today. Gosh, you know, and uh, it's yeah, it was it was great. It was great, absolutely wonderful. And then I was at my senior school, and I was in my third year of senior school. And the drama department um, said we're going to do a play, The Miser by Molière, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. we'd like you to play the son, Plant, which is one of the leading parts. And I said, okay. I just said yes, you know. And that was it. I knew stage was for me. I just there, when when you're a performer, and when you na- you can naturally do it, it doesn't mean to say you're going to be a big star and mm-hmm. all of that, you know, because that's just about hard work and luck and where you go along the way. But I just felt at home. I can do this, and I can do it well. And that was it. You know? Wow. What happened after school? You auditioned, didn't you, for uh, a number of drama schools? I did a, well, I did a teacher's degree at, at, a, at a college, um, uh, and a, a semi-university, and that was to prepare me. I did a, a drama course while I was there to prepare me to audition for the big drama academies. Mm-hmm. You know, and I auditioned for quite a few, but I actually ended up going to the Guildford School of Acting which was the best thing I ever did. Again, it was a gut feeling. I got there and I thought, this is going to be my home. I absolutely love it. And I had the most amazing training. Then again, I was lucky. I was there with the right staff, the right formula of people around me. And it was just incredible. 
you know. And was that dance training that you did at, at GSA or was that acting? I was a fully trained dancer by then. So what I did, I actually did the acting course for for a year and then I went on to the musical theatre course. But Guildford, it was unique and still is in many ways because I would do an advanced ballet class in the morning and then I would go and do a Shakespeare class, you know. And that's what it's about. It's about no one was pigeonholed as a chorus boy or as going to be a character actor. You were who you were and you were allowed to experiment. And that, it was, again, it was just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful training. Wow. And, you know, GSA, that is one tough place to get into. And you were 18 years old? Yeah. Goodness me. It was, you know, uh, yes, it was tough. It was tough. And Um, was the dance training, was it rigorous? Oh, gosh, yes. And, of course, a lot of it, um, when I was with the other students, hadn't done as much dance as me. So I had to go back to basics again. That's nothing wrong with that, you know, because I went right back in some of the classes and, and I went back to ballet and to jazz position. And, and in a way, I think that really did me good because it allowed me to actually consolidate everything that I'd ever learned, you know. And then the acting, because dance is an extension of acting, because I then, be, the acting, and I was doing lovely, wonderful plays, wonderful stuff. Um, and to apply that to the dance, that's when the choreography sort of started coming in the back of my head. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I almost think. that kind of storytelling, isn't it? Because I think we forget that dance is storytelling. And at this point, you're a triple threat. You're coming out of GSA, yes. trained yes. in all three skills for the stage. And that's really important. That's a very important note because, um, you know, there was a time when it, people, uh, schools were producing, dare I say, jack of all trades, master of none. But actually, um, schools now, and indeed Guildford does, they, they produce triple threats who can sing, dance and act to a West End standard. Um, and that's where we are now. You know, the, 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 the uh, old adage of, oh, you do musicals, I'm an actor. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. It doesn't exist anymore. The divide, as far as I'm concerned, is not there. You know? That's really interesting. And do you think, Bill, that you can tell the difference between somebody who has gone through that training as opposed to someone who perhaps hasn't? Yes, you can. Uh, at Sometimes you can, you'll meet someone, though, who's actually, they've got to have the training now. You can't get away. You can't bluff an audition, you can't, there's, there's thousands, mm-hmm. you know, up auditions, we'll get on to that later. Mm-hmm. People have no idea mm-hmm. of the stress and the pressure that actors are under, you know. Um, it's a finely tuned craft. Absolutely. And you've really got to know what you're doing, you know. Um, forget what what the uh, minister said that it's a pastime singing it's not it's a job absolutely it's a, career. it's a craft it's this is an art form we're talking about here that generates yeah. millions billions to the industry yeah, not just absolutely. the uk all across the world bill so you come out of gsa and yeah. i'm guessing at this point the world is your oyster are you are you going around the audition circuit yes i am um i did work in edinburgh um, I did work abroad. I did some television dance work, which is where I started to learn about TV dance and the camera. Um, and then in 19, 
86, 87, um, I auditioned for the incredible, the wonderful Gillian Lynn, Dame Gillian Lynn, uh, who sadly we lost last year. But um, it was to change my life. Um, seven auditions, seven recalls to get the job. And uh, it was it was like a magic carpet ride, really, to actually watch this genius put together a routine. And it was art. We'd been working, rehearsing for about three weeks. And um, I've never been shy speaking up and saying, uh, excuse me, you, you, and I'll ask a question. It's fine. And most uh, good uh, performers do. And... Uh, it's about three weeks in and it was lunch and they said, that's lunch, everyone. And Gillian said, Billy, could I have a word? Well, I went four shades of grey thinking, oh, my God, what have I done? And we, I went over and I sat and we had we, we actually drank coffee and a punnet of grapes. I'll never forget it. And she said, you know, you're going to be a director and a choreographer. And I said, she said, you, you see, you see it as a whole. And I said, she said, you probably, you've probably got an inkling inside. She said, but I'm telling you, you see it as a whole, the picture. And that was the start. That was the start of it. Goodness and, me. Uh, and she supported me ever, ever, all the way, right through. Yeah. Bill, do you think it was because of the rounded training that you had had up to this point as a child, through your teens, at drama school, the way you looked at performance and staging and productions, you saw it as a 360-degree process? 100%. 100%. You can't separate acting, song, and dance in a musical. They have to be one. Yeah. Um, so that's 100%. Absolutely. And I'd learned my trade. And um, I then started to look at musicals and think of how I wanted to actually choreograph them. Wow. You know, and that excitement is as fresh today as it was then. God. You know, it's just it's there's when you're blessed and you're with you know, and I am blessed with what I do. You get up and you think, right, I've got to get that sorted today, and I'm going to do that section of the dance. You know, but I don't force it. Okay, I'll always I walk around the garden, or I'll go shopping, I'll do whatever. You know, or I'll be working on something else and all of a sudden I'll go, I've got it and I'll go away and then I'll just start working on it. You know. But it is, it's a, triple, it's a triple threat thing. Was then that seed of excitement, inspiration sown, if you like, for then the next step after that, thinking, OK, well, not only can I perform in shows, I can go on to choreograph as well. Yes, I mean, it sounds a bit what's the word, not arrogant, but I never, I always knew where I was going and I went there, <laughs> you know. It was never, oh, I'm now going to do this and I'm going to carry it. It just happened because of what I, Gillian's line was, do the work and the rest will happen, and it's true. I did the work and then the next step in stone happened and then the next step in stone and then the next step in stone. And it's the work. In the end, it's all about the work. And what you do, you know. Um, so I, I was lucky. I, I was lucky, and of course I planned it. I mean, there was a point when I was 
acting uh, and singing and dancing in a show that I choreographed. That happened, so, but that became silly in the end because you can't do both. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be out front watching mm -hmm. and also you can't give someone notes and then go on stage with them. It doesn't work. Oh, that's really so, interesting. Yeah, there's a, there was a point where, again, Gillian said, well, you've got to make your mind up whether you're going to go that way or that way. And I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to be a creative. And that was it. And it's a big jump for any performer who's going to do that. It's a huge decision, you know, but I did it. That's so interesting you said that. So you have to have a certain amount of separation then if you are creating the work and being in charge of the performers so that yeah. you can step away from it. Absolutely. I mean, you couldn't, I can't go in with notes for someone I'm playing opposite and say, you're all over the place, that's wrong, you're late on that bar, and then go, act one beginners, oh, come on, mate, let's go. It just doesn't work. You can't do that, you know. How did you feel then deciding to be a creative and go down that path? Did that mean then leaving the performing side? Well, I still did odd bits of TV acting parts and I did concerts and things, which I still do. Um, you know, I, I get this, the voice out of the box and have a sing every now and then and what have you. But no, it was, you have to make that decision, you know. And, you know, being a creative, the pressure on your shoulders, you know, that don't, I'm used to that, it's fine. But there's a lot there. I bet there is. You know, you, I bet there is. You when you've got a show riding on your, your back. You've got to know what you're doing. You really have. You know? So you did um, cabaret. And then, am I right in saying you were offered a, a choreography job at um, Salisbury Playhouse? That's correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a production of cabaret. Okay. So I did my own version. Yeah. And did that feel, you know, wonderful then to be able to put your own stamp on it? Absolutely. And I learned, I mean, oh God, when I, when I think of it now, I go, oh my God, I've never done it like that. But, um, you know, you learn. And that's where I learned my trade doing repertory theatre, which alas, well, at the moment there isn't any theatre anyway, but repertory theatre is dwindling away. But that's where a, a performer, a creative, anyone, stage mate, they learn their craft, you know. Um, and again, I was fortunate. I thought we Place was one of the top repertories in the country. Beautiful yeah. theatre, beautiful. That's right, that's right. Yeah. And so the way you look at a show now, would you say that going from a, a theatre like Salisbury Playhouse or a smaller theatre to the bigger venues, is it the same principle that you apply? Yes, it is. Uh, but you obviously you've got the experience to know how you're going to do it and bring it together. You, again, you have to be blessed to work with good people, good directors, you know, good camera directors on TV, um, you know, great stage managers, great musical directors, of which I've worked with the best in the world. So, you know, I'm fortunate because when they're at their best, a choreographer, you, mu you, you people must remember that when you do a musical, the script is written, the music's written. The choreography is all in the choreographer's head. There's right. nothing there. I have to go in and do the whole thing. And Bill, how then do you do that? Do you sit down with the music and start writing notes and, and start writing dance moves? Do you physically get yourself up and, and, and do it to get it in your head that way? I mean, 
shows that are about two hours, ten minutes on average, choreographing something that big with sometimes some massive ensembles. You know, we'll talk about Cats, we'll talk about Top Hat in a moment. Where do you start? Well, you start with the music. You start with the script, you read the story, so you know what you've got to say. And then you play the music over and over and over again. And then you start to get ideas and what have you. And then you have hundreds of these little post-its. And you write that section, eight-bar break, uh, arched. And then you go, and they're everywhere. And that's all the ideas. When you've got them, you write them down. And it can be in the middle of the night. I have these everywhere. Little orange sticky notes. That's right, and green ones. Um, and you just, and then you gradually get the ideas. And then I start to put it together. Then I work with a dance arranger, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I start putting it together. Then once I've got it all aligned through it, then I bring in my associate, mm-hmm. uh, who has been with me now for 14 years, mm-hmm. Kylie. And uh, she's the only one I will allow to actually uh, teach my work because she teaches it accurately. And uh, then I teach it to her. Mm-hmm. And then we start auditions. And that's where it all starts. And when it comes to the auditions, I guess at that point, you know the style of dance that you want on, on in the show. And so you're, you're matching that with the dancer? Absolutely. And that again goes back to training. Mm-hmm. My style... If I'm doing a period, I will never ever, if I'm doing a period show, which I'm, I'm, I'm known for, really, um, any period from the 20s up to the 90s, you know, they're all separate. But you, you, can't, you can't imitate a style. I won't do that. You have to be the style. And that, that's where people fall down. Because you can send a style up and you can make it look sort of faux, 1930s something yeah not interested you've got to do it you know you've got to actually be in that style that's so interesting and I guess that's where the acting side of of the storytelling comes from absolutely yeah yeah because an actor will listen and watch what I'm actually saying you know where a hand is where an arm line is you know it's so it's a very very precise art form it really is. I can't even begin to imagine what your preview nights are like, Bill. <laughs> you know, the tension and the nerves. <laughs> oh, there, oh, there is, absolutely, yeah. God. I'm used to it. Uh, with that, all of that, though, you become, you don't become hard to it. You get used to it, mm. you know. Mm. You know, when I'm doing Strictly and I'm on a camera and a number's going out live to 11 million, you know, and you just go, that is not, or you're looking at the screen and making sure that everything is okay in shot, yeah. Wow. So, Bill, you did Salisbury Playhouse, and then what happened after that? Because yeah. a few more doors then were opening, weren't they? Yes, they did, absolutely. I joined the Wayne Sleep Ballet Company and toured in that for a while. And then I started choreographing in repertory, and I did some bits for TV. Um, and then I went over to Ireland and did a huge show, uh, which was like a follow-up to Riverdance called the Hackney Bridge. And then when I came back, I was asked um, if I'd like to go and choreograph at Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. And uh, I went along 
and I did a new production of H. America's Pinafore, and then I was asked to stay on and do a revival production of The Boyfriend. Mm-hmm. This is Sir Cameron Mackintosh's production, isn't it? I did it on Cameron Mackintosh, and I did it on uh, a choreographed Nicer in Nice on Hey Mr. Producer. Um, and it was a joy. It was um, I, Sandy Wilson, who again we lost two years ago now, he was like an uncle to me and a great, great friend. He wrote The Boyfriend. And um, we did it at the park, and he said it's the best production of it ever. And uh, I, I got nominated for my first Olivier at Regent's Park, and that's where it all started to happen. Goodness, now, that's what year was this? What year was your first nomination? 2006. Okay. 2006, we did it, and then it came back again. Mm-hmm. You know, I get all the dates all mixed up. <laughs> but I know that was 2006. And then, I, you know, I'd been doing stuff everywhere. I was working, jobbing, choreographer. And then... Um, uh, I was asked if I would like to do uh, a tribute to Fred Astaire mm-hmm. at the London Palladium. Uh, and I said, well, that sounds absolutely wonderful. And, you know, who's leading it? And it was Fred's daughter, Arva Astaire. No pressure there then. And um, uh, I met Arva and uh, I directed and choreographed the show. And I did have to work uh, with, with my assistant. It wasn't kindly then. Um, um, on recreating some of Fred's work, which is when I really found out what a genius, unbelievably clever choreography. And I arrived on the, uh, there was a lunch thrown at the Savoy, and I walked in, um, and I walked in with Jane Powell, Anne Miller, Sid Charisse, Tony Martin. I mean, it was just Robert Wagner. You know, and I, I sort of got, died and gone to heaven and thought, oh, my God. You know, it then got very real. Anyway, it was a huge success. And then everyone thought that that's all I ever did was um, <laughs> their work. Well, that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's OK, because then I got offered Top Hat. And that's how Top Hat came about. That's exactly, again, right place, right time, you know. And the, the story of Top Hat is hysterical because Kenny Wax phoned me and said, I'm going to do the first stage version of Top Hat. And I laughed. I went, ha, 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 put the phone down. <laughs> I laughed. I thought, I thought it was a prank call. Top Hat was a well-known film, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, classic of its time. Uh, 1936, 37. And um, so I then went to his office and he said, um, we've been in touch with the Irving Berlin Estate. Mm-hmm and the RKO estate, and they have actually said they'd be delighted if you would choreograph the show. That is such an honour. That is like, there was a few tears. Because that's, you know, when you've been working, and then these world-renowned, you know, this is Hollywood. You said earlier you're used to dealing with pressure. Yeah. Is it something you think that just comes with experience, or is it something that can be like a learnt behaviour? Because you're hitting some massive points in your life, some, you know, career highs. Absolutely. As a performer, uh, if I got stage nerves, I'd put it into the character. Mm -hmm. So what you do, 
that energy goes straight into how you're going to do, how you're going to create something. So the, the energy goes into the creativity, you know, which is far more, you know, far more productive. Right. You know, so what you do, it's not a pressure because you're immediately going, right, how am I going to do that? And so you actually, you actually step aside from it. Mm-hmm. That, well, that's what I do. And you go straight in. How am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. That's really interesting, actually, advice, Bill, I think. So you're almost kind of compartmentalising and utilising it, throwing that nervous energy, if you like, in the right direction, rather than letting it dominate you. My, my mother, bless her, said to me once, you know, you want a job, not an ulcer. And it's true. It's so, great. That was my mum. She advice. said, if you're going to have all this, why are you doing it? She said, because, you know, you'll kill yourself. And immediately you change your energy, mm. you know, and, and, and it's that I've stuck with that all my life. I like that advice. I'm going to use that in my day to day dealings. So Top Hat becomes a massive success. I've seen it um, here in Southampton a number of times and absolutely adored it. You know, I'm a huge fan of tap as well. So this is right up my street. And the awards start coming in again. Yes, it was one of the, the greatest nights of my life. I been um, I was being filmed for uh, a series for Channel Four um, called um, The Sound of Musicals, mm-hmm. and they did a whole episode on me creating Top Hat from the very first day of auditions right through. And of course, because I'd been nominated for an Olivier, what a way to finish. And we had written a huge dance medley from the show, which had never been done before, to open the second half of the Olivier Awards. Mm -hmm. So we arrived at the Royal Opera House and it was all exciting and what have you. And of course, we could change, right? We were only around the corner in the Aldwych Theatre. So, and we went and I got all the dances on. And the first thing that was wonderful was all the cameramen were cameramen and, and ladies, I dare say, cameramen and ladies, um, camera people um, were from Strictly. So I knew them all. So I thought, I'm okay there, kid, because they're the best in the world. The camera work is the best in the world. And we, we ran it, and there was a sound issue. We weren't quite in sync. Mm-hmm. The taps were not quite... Anyway, so I threw a wobbler and said, look, we're, anyway, I won't say what I said because I'm a gentleman. And um, anyway, we got it right, and I came back to, to the old witch, and I got, got the glad rags on, and we walked the red carpet, and we sat down. And I was more nervous about the opening of Act Two. You know, anyway, they opened it. You can see it on YouTube. It's, it, it's beautiful. It's stunning. And it worked a treat. And that's Kylie was sitting next to me, my associate. And I said, well, that's it done. And they went, and the award for best choreographer. And I, and I, I had, all of a sudden, I thought, oh, my gosh, it's me. And... Uh, there was some serious competition there, you know, people that I greatly admire. And my name came out and that was it. It, you know, it, it happened. But the story goes, and this is one for, for you, um, Gillian Lynn actually won the Life Achievement Olivier that, that night as well. And she was sitting at the other end of the row. And when they said my name, 
it makes me it, get, it makes me emotional now. I leant forward and she leant forward and she went, "I told you." And it's I've it's the mo- a moment I will treasure till the day I die. Uh, it was just so wonderful. So we both won Olivier's that night. Oh. This lady that had seen me through and advised me. Um, it's it's a quite a lovely story. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's absolutely true. beautiful. Yeah. Bill Top Hat, the intricacy of dance in that show and content wise it's massive i saw it with one of the stralan sisters in it and i just couldn't believe how she kept going all the way through the fitness that's required there are beautiful lifts the lines are gorgeous how long did that take you to put together from you know the initial idea to you know almost opening night Yes. Well, I was offered the, well, I had the original film scores to look at, but of course we don't arrange music like that now, but it was interesting to see how it goes. And indeed I was offered Fred Astaire and Hermes pan choreography. And I said, absolutely not. I said, I will play homage to Fred, but unless I'm doing it my way, there's no point to get someone in to just copy what they did on the, but in the film, there's only like two or three numbers. Mm. You see, we had to add numbers to the stage show different songs like putting on the Ritz open the show and what have you. Anyway, we decided on what songs we were going to use. Some of those changed when we went into the West End. And um, it took me to create that show about a year on my own in the studio. That's not easy stuff. That choreography, I can tell you now, the first 40 boys at the audition started to dance. And I think about 18 of them left because they said, no, can't do it. I think I just sat watching it with my mouth open. It's absolutely amazing. And with the music as well and the costumes and you're taken back to that era. Absolutely. It's it's outstanding. So thank you (laughs) for giving us that. You're more than welcome. And do you know the the lovely thing about Top Hat is that uh, not last year, the year before, we went to Tokyo. We took the British cast to Tokyo. And then we did it uh, two years ago. I did it with a Japanese cast. And I cannot tell you the satisfaction and joy of seeing a, a, a Japanese cast, complete Japanese cast, actually mastering it wow. and doing it. And it's very lovely. It's just the most amazing feeling to see your work can be, it can travel all over the world. It's universal. And that's the beauty, isn't it, of theatre? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, oh, wonderful. So how then do you top Top Hat, Bill? Because you've worked on Evita, you've worked on The Sound of Music, we've got Cats. I mean, did Cats happen next? Because that was 2014 at the London Palladium. Absolutely. I'm always doing something. So they all roll into one to me. You know, people keep saying to me, you must write a book. I don't have to get it all in all first, you know. So um, I was, I had a phone call from David Ian, producer. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, hi, hi, Bill. Um, he said, um, this is a bit left field, was his words. Quote, um, I've just been with Andrew, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and Gillian, Gillian, Gillian Lynn, and Trevor Nunn, Sir Trevor Nunn. And we're coming into the Palladium um, with a revival of Cats. Nicole Scherzinger will be playing for Isabella. And Gillian uh, and all of us, indeed, Andrew, would be honoured if you would create a new Gumby Cat tap routine. And I said, are you for real? 
And he said, yes, it's serious. I said, okay. I said, well, I'm deeply honoured. So I said I would do it, but only if I could work with Andrew and Trevor first to actually find out what you... I said, I'm not just going in and going to applique a number on, in, in there. I've got to know where it's all coming from. And they were the most wonderful, charming people to work with. It was just wonderful. It really was. And Gillian phoned me and she said, do it your way, do it. And I spent two days in a studio with Andrew Lloyd Webber and he rewrote the song, he rewrote the dance routine, of uh, which I will treasure for the rest of my life. And that has actually been all over the world. In fact, it's opening in South Korea in two weeks' time. Yes. With the Gumby Cat routine there, yeah. So that was just an amazing honour. I only did it for the Palladium, and then Andrew said, no, that's the number. That's what we have in the show now. You know, which is a great honour. Absolutely. And the fact, again, it's going to South Korea. I mean, fabulous. Yeah, they're all out there now rehearsing. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, Bill, I know that you've been working with the team on Strictly for 14 years now, haven't you? How did that come about? How did you get a call from the Strictly producers? Well, it goes back to Andrew Lloyd Webber because Andrew Lloyd Webber had, um, had uh, Love Never Dies in the West End and it wasn't doing very well. Uh, producer and director Bill Kenwright, who I've worked with with Abita, and that's where that all comes in. He called me one night and he said, um, Bill, get down to the Adelphi and have a look at the show. So I did. And I came out afterwards and was whisked away to Park Lane to meet Andrew Lloyd Webber. And Bill Kenwright was there and they said, he, Bill said, right, tell Andrew what you think. So I did. And then two weeks later, we redirected and re-choreographed the whole show. Bill Kenwright directed it, and I choreographed it. Love Never Dies. Yeah. So, and it ran for a whole year. It got great reviews after that. Mm. On the opening night, a TV producer called Andrea Hamilton, an amazing producer, was producing uh, a show for the BBC called So You Think You Could Dance. Two weeks later... I was choreographing for So You Think You Can Dance. And that's how it happened. Andrea then went over to Strictly and asked me to go over. And that's how it all happened. So it was all because of a show in London and someone saw my work. And then, and So You Think You Can Dance, um, I, I turned it down twice because I said, the numbers you're asking me to do are not right. If I'm good, my first number's got to blow, blow you away. They phoned me and they said, we've got a number called Sing, Sing, Sing. We'd like you to do with Matt Flint uh, and one of the lady contestants. And I did, and I stayed there and did eight, eight the next following six shows, I think it was. I did eight routines in all. God. And that's how it happened. And then over to Strictly and, you know, you know, five of the top ten Charlestons are mine in Strictly. I've done the musical theatre week ever since, ever since for 14 years. And I'm about to do this year's. God, yes. I can't tell you what it is. Because you choreographed Pasha and Kimberley's Those Magnificent Men and Their Flying Machines, Bill, didn't you? That was one of mine, yeah. That was one of mine, definitely. Yeah. Do you enjoy working in the medium of television and choreographing for TV, which I imagine is quite different to the stage? 
Oh, totally different. It's uh, stages like running a marathon, and um, TV is like a sprint. You, you know, and you've really got to know what you're doing. You've got to know what the cameras are doing. You've got to be able to change it at the drop of a hat. You know, um, and again, I'm lucky. Uh, Strictly Come Dancing, the team, and they are well, they're a family, and they really are a family. Um, they're the greatest in the world. What they do. The cameramen, the directors, the costume, the makeup, the producers, they're all the tops in the world. Mm. And you just, I just feel home when I'm there, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm doing something very, I did something very risque last year with Hello Dolly with Craig Neville Hallward. I'm yes. doing something even risk more risque this year. Wow. So, so watch this space on music this week. But you're allowed to do it. I absolutely love it. I absolutely, and thank God that I have that skill, you know, to my elbow. Because with theatre at the moment, it's a no-no. So, mm. thank God, you know, I can still do filming work and TV work. Mm. You know, mm. and I suppose Bill as well. The difference with so you think you can dance and strictly, especially, is you're working with people who aren't dancers with Strictly. So you're choreographing yes. routines with beginners. Yes, yes. But what people, I think they know, but I can actually, I, I'll verify it. The pro dancers in Strictly are second to none. Mm. They work 24-7, seven days a week. You People have, you know when people say, oh, well, they've worked hard. People have no idea <laughs> how hard they work on that series. To make someone dance who hasn't danced before, it's the most enormous task, you know, and it really is. I, I can't, I can't praise them enough, you know, uh, and I can't wait to see them, although I won't be able to go near them. They won't be able to go near me because the, the, obviously the social distancing rules are very, very strict. Mm. Um, but they are all dear friends and they are the work they put in and the creation you know absolutely and I go and say right we'll do that and we'll do that and we'll do that you know because musical theatre doesn't come second nature to them they have to work at it totally but I had Robin Windsor on this week and he said it's go 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 you are work 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 because you're traveling the country you're meeting your celebrity partner and you are training them to be the best they can be and instill that confidence in them so if they're working in the day, that means you train at night. And if it means you have to go on till midnight, so be it. I did I did Robin and Anita Anita Dobson's Charleston. Oh. I got rhythm. Yeah. Now, in twenty eighteen you were nominated for Best Choreographer for Follies, weren't you? Follies was one of the is up there with top hat. It was the greatest moment of my life and I'm, I can't say anymore but it's not over yet yeah good watch this space. um I was fortunate enough to work with the director who I think is probably the greatest director I've ever worked with yes he is the greatest director I've ever worked with Dominic Cook and it was a match made in heaven we just we just understood each other he, he his inspiration and his energy is quite extraordinary. And we, we created this Follies, um, and it was just extraordinary experience from the word go, because the whole performance was in, on a revolve, mm-hmm. which 
turned for most of the show. And um, I said to Dom, I said, uh, I was in Copenhagen choreographing Anything Goes. And I got to the airport and my agent rang and said, oh, the National have called, they're, they're interested in you doing a show there. And I said, could you find out what the show is? So that was at Heathrow. Got to uh, Denmark and to, uh, and uh, they found and said, it's Follies. And I nearly, well, you have to pick me up off the floor because it's one of the greatest shows ever written. And uh, we, uh, I, I then flew back the end the following week and uh, we ju I just know it was going to be special. And uh, we ha I said I'd do it, but I would only do it if all the ladies could move because it's a show where you have a lot of um, star names mm -hmm. who sing a number, but they're Follies girls, so they have to move. And all our ladies did, you know. It was extraordinary. And Stephen Sondheim came over and Jonathan Tunick, the uh, orchestrator, and their words were just incredible. And uh, I have letters and emails from Stephen that I'll treasure for the rest of my days. They're just incredible, you know. Fabulous. Uh, just wonderful. And yes, it was another Olivier nomination. Um, uh, I, I knew, it's funny, because this sounds, again, arrogant and blase, I'd already got one. You know, and you've got one that's, you know, yeah. it's, and it's lovely, it's lovely to be on And of course, I would be up against Hamilton. Well, it ain't going to happen, you know. And that's fine. Mm. That's absolutely fine. But we won um, Best Revival, the Amazing. Olivier for Best Revival. So we've won an Olivier, you know, it won Best Costume Design. Um, and uh, it's not over yet, that's for sure. Oh, good, I'm so yeah. pleased. I've got something to look forward to when we get out of this weird weird time oh there's lots happening yeah there, there's a lot waiting to happen you know okay the, the day we went into lockdown i lost six six productions no i lost one go yeah which was frightening i've got to ask you do you get to take the olivier home with you the award yes hold on hold on one second <laughs> Oh, get out. <gasps> look. Oh, wow. Look at it. Oh, they're beautiful. They're very heavy. It looks heavy. Bill, where do you keep it? There's, I've got to stand here because I, I, I've been fortunate. I've, I've, I've won Carl Allen Awards and uh, Broadway World Awards. So I keep them all on a glass cabinet at the, at the other end of the room in my lap. Just in my work end. Yeah. So they're oh. all at that end. Thank yeah. you. I've only seen them in the papers, so <laughs> and on telly. Yeah. <laughs> so you say that you lost six productions at the start of lockdown. We're smiling, but this that's serious, isn't it? Like you say, you know, you've been able to do the telly work and you knew that that was all coming up, but six productions means a lot of people losing a lot of work. Absolutely. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Um, I, was, I was actually rehearsing... Um, at Chelsea Grammar, to, we were taking uh, the boyfriend from the Many A Chocolate Factory to Canada. And the day I met him was the day it was all pulled and everything, you know. And then Cats was pulled. Um, I was doing, and I still am doing, the revival of Hello Dolly with Imelda Staunton in the West End with Dominic Cook directing. And we would have opened last week. Oh. But we, it's been pulled. But it, we, we are going to be doing it in 22. Okay. And just... 
soon as you hear book your tickets because the design and the way we're doing it is just absolutely extraordinary. Wow. So that's in 222. The well, I will be there, Bill, because I was lucky enough to see Imelda Staunton at Chichester Festival Theatre a few years ago now. And as far as I'm concerned, getting to see that lady up close and personal in anything is, I just felt so lucky, so blessed. So 2022. So that was, I was working on that when uh, lockdown started. So I've got a production of Saturday Night Fever that was going to come into town. That will come in as soon as we can see it as open. That will come in. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, the corn is green. I was going to do it at the National Theatre. So I came back here with Hello Dolly and I was in lockdown. Um, I am an asthma sufferer, so I have to be careful. Mm-hmm. So I did lockdown. And I actually I actually didn't do anything for like two, nearly three months. I was, well, I did. I was here. Mm-hmm. I choreographed Hello Dolly you know, um, and then found out that we're not doing it till 22. So that's all in a pile ready to go, mm-hmm. you know. But so many chums and so many amazing, amazing performers lost their jobs, you know. I am lucky, the fact that, well, I'm lucky that I did have a bit of savings to keep me going mm-hmm. because we don't get any help from the government. Um, and it's just, I won't even get onto the political side of it, but because I've never been political until this moment. But I think our government is a disgrace, and I think the way they've treated our industry is unforgivable. You know, to tell a ballet dancer to get another job. You know, I filmed a, uh, a, 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 I did a filming job last week for the Shanghai Grand Theatre, and I was filming for them at the Coliseum. And that was a director's job. And I had uh, the Royal Ballet dancer, Matthew Ball, who danced a new version of The Dying Swan. And the tears just rolled down my face. And I just looked and I thought, how dare anyone tell that person to get another job? Mm. The years that we train to hone our craft, it's heartbreaking. Mm. And indeed, for me now, it makes me very, very angry. No, I I hear you. I I hear you. And I have friends in the arts who weren't able to work, you know, were at home. And it's very difficult as well when you are trying to build your career and you're not yet established and everything has come to a standstill or at a halt. And I think for the younger generation, it's a pivotal time. And I think because... No one's ever experienced a time like this before. We're all muddling through. Absolutely. You said you had a couple of months of kind of downtime because it was forced upon you. Do you have to, as a dancer, make sure that you are always staying fit and and maintaining being supple and, and staying healthy? And how important is that? Well, in my house here, I've got my gym. And I've got, I cycle 10K every morning morning, on my cycle. And then I've got my weights here and my roller and my bands. And I do, I do a general workout, but it's, there's nothing that will replace when you're actually working and doing it. So last week when I went back, after the first day, I was like, (laughs) you know, because the body has to get used to, being that energised again, you know, and the legs the next day, yo, 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 you know, but that, 
part of it, you know, and I, I'm going to be teaching uh, with my associate Kylie next Wednesday. We start teaching strictly. And I don't mind telling you that the, the day after and the day after that, I won't be walking very fast, <laughs> I can tell you, because you've got to get back into it. It's the same for all of us, you know, because as much as I stretch here, until you actually start moving the body and you do it with an energy and that's when the muscles go oh hello <laughs> you know so yeah it's going to be a bit of a journey that you know I've got the ice packs ready uh, and Bill there's really actually nothing like dancing for keeping you in good shape is there a great tip is if you I cycle and then I stretch then I'll go for a long walk in the country because that makes you you know and that I think that's a great way of keeping yourself going you know mm. Uh, you know, I do I do the odd bit of dancing here and then in my studio. Um, but until you get into a studio and you're doing it, you know, it's, you know, the gym I go to, yeah, is still closed because they had a corona, they had a virus outbreak there. Yeah. Um, so I've got enough here, though, you know. Bill, that. are we going to see you performing, you know, on stage anytime soon in the near future? Do you have that? In sight, or have you laid that to rest for a little while? I've laid it to rest for a little while, but it's funny because when I get a show right, I know it's right because I want to be in it. You know, and that's a, that's a great sign for me. There's talk of me doing a big charity show at the uh, London Palladium uh, at some point at the end of next year, where I will perform. But uh, watch this space, you know. I will. Yeah, I had a singing lesson the other day, and it, it's still good. It still works, I'm pleased to say. Good. Oh, wow. Well, again, something else to look forward to for next year. Bill, so how do you relax? How do you enjoy your downtime? I live in the country, so I love to go for country walks. And um, not many people know, my hobby is I breed Dalmatians. And I'm a championship show judge and a, a member of the Kennel Club, I'm very proud to say. Yeah, I haven't got one at the moment. I very nearly bought one because of the lockdown, but it's not fair because I am going to be working, mm. you know. But I'm planning, I've, in, once I've done Dolly in 22, I'm going to have like a few months off and I should get a puppy then. <gasps> wow, and is this yeah. something that you've been doing just recently or, or for a long time? Since 2000. Okay. When I had my first boy, yeah, my first dog, yeah. Wow, yeah. how wonderful. And that is so different to your, to your day job. I love it. Absolutely. But even the dog shows now are cancelled, you know, because you can drive all over. I absolutely love it. It's great. And the, the Dalmatian uh, Club of Great Britain, uh, you know, I have so many friends there. And it's just, it's just so different. It's just fun. You know, I love it. I absolutely love it. Goodness. And so, like you say, something very different to yeah. your day-to-day. And... Who would you say, Bill, has been your biggest influence? Um, I can tell you, not that I copy him, but it's someone who who changed musical theatre, and that was Bob Fosse. He had something different to say, and I, I took that on board. You can do it your own way. And that's what Gillian Lynn said to me all along, do it your own way. You know, I can't copy anyway. I'm useless at it. So, you know, um, and he, 
even now we all go, oh, that's very frosty. You know, so he, along with Astaire uh, and Gene Kelly, they are the three, really, that you have to look at, you know, because what came before them was nothing like that. They actually said, no, I'm going to do it this way, which is what I did with Follins and it's what I did with Top Hat. Would you say, Bill, that you've seen a big change in the industry since you came into it? Yes, I have. I mean, I think that... um, I think that performing training is, you know, is good. I do worry that training is is being taught from a book and not from experience. Um, you know, again, I was lucky. I was taught by people who actually did it for a living. You know, out of work actors who came in and what have you. And I'm sure, and I know that happens at Guildford and definitely Arts Ed and Mountview and places like that. You know, they've got good teachers and what have you. Um, I think that some people get too bound in um, technical issues. Um, Of course, a a voice has to be produced for singing, you know, but in the end, it's got to be free and natural. Well, for me, otherwise I switch off because it's, you know, it's like watching paint dry. (laughs) Well, it is, you know. And you've got to know how to, how to, when you, especially an audition, You've got to walk in and you've got to wow that panel. You know, you've got three minutes to do it. It's not easy. You know, and the only way you do that is by learning your technique and then being you in the room. Don't try and be someone else. You know, Mm. people come in and they try and emulate Mm. other people in the West End at the moment, you know. There's a lot of competition, Bill, isn't there? And, And the standard is so high that's required... I can't even begin to imagine how young people feel now going to their first audition and, and trying to get their foot through the door. It must be tough. Yes, it is. And, you know, I mean, when we auditioned for Follies, yeah, we auditioned for a year and two months to get the cast because we couldn't get what we wanted. That's how precise I work. That know. surprises me so much. Gosh, because I would have thought, that the process was all quite quick. You know, let's let's get the cast we need, let's get in rehearsals and let's get the show on the stage. No, 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 no. You've got to have the right ones for the job. You know, and the, well, the production says it all. Wow. I've learnt so much from you today, Bill. Thank you. Oh, I mean, there is so much more that we could talk about and we might have to chat another time <laughs> and do another episode. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, my pleasure. That was Olivier Award-winning choreographer, dancer and director Bill Deemer. Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes from your preferred podcast provider and follow me on Twitter at Shireen Jordan and on Instagram at Shireen R. Jordan.